Disclaimer, bear with me on the audio on this episode. It's a little janky and I couldn't fix it, but I'm learning. Give grace. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys. Today we are going to talk about homeschool and I'm going to make a case for why you should do it, even if you're someone who says you never could, because that's what I am. And in particular, this episode's for Christians. So let's check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast, and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around, because we're going to laugh, and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. Okay, guys, so if you know me personally, you know that I am very passionate (laughs) about homeschooling. I am a homeschool mom. I'm actually finishing up just my third year of homeschool, so I would not call myself an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I am definitely someone who never planned to homeschool, someone who never wanted to homeschool, someone who said all the things that I hear, which are I don't have the patience for that. I could never do something like that. I have to work. I blah, blah, blah. You guys, when I decided, my kids are currently nine, seven, and five. So that's third grade, first grade, and preschool. Although I did start my youngest in kindergarten this year, or around Christmas time, rather, which is the beauty of homeschool, because you can kind of start when they're ready and move up when they're ready and stay back if you need to when they're ready. But you guys, I... um. I am homeschooling out of obedience. I am not homeschooling because it is something that I desired to do. I actually dreaded it. And when I started, and currently, when I started homeschool all the way up until now, I was the sole income, or now I'm the, still the main income, although my husband does now make, <laughs> make money as well. I was the sole income when I decided to homeschool, okay? I also have a blog, as you know, and I was, I have written a book over the course of my homeschooling years and time. I started this podcast. I actually have been a part of a number of ministries. I'm involved at church. I am somebody who does a lot of things. So it's not like I decided to homeschool because I was sitting at home and had nothing else going on. I decided to homeschool because personally I felt a a conviction from the Lord that that is the way that it should be. Now, I never knew that that was biblical. I actually didn't go and look up any verses to confirm that that was the case. I'm going to dive into that a little bit here on the back side of this episode, but I just I just thought and felt that that's what I should be doing. And actually I resisted that. And my daughter did go, my oldest, did go into preschool, um, and I paid for preschool for two years. And then she did actually end up going into um, public school for kindergarten here in Tennessee. And I have to tell you, it was against my convictions. I knew what I was supposed to be doing, but out of absolute convenience, and honestly, because it's what everybody else did. It's the norm, right? You put your kids in public school. I actually desired for my kids. I was not homeschooled. 
just disclaimer, I desired for my kids to have the traditional school experience because that's what I knew. And I worried about all the same things that I'm sure are going through your brain right now. You know, how will they be socialized? Will they be able to play sports? You know, what about doing theater or dance or any other thing that's involved with school or that I associate with school, prom, et cetera? You know, how will they be able to do that, any of that, if they're homeschooling? And instead of kind of, you know, figuring out the answers to those questions, I just did the thing that most, a huge, huge majority of us do. And that is enrolled my kid in public school, never looked back, right? Well, by Thanksgiving of that first year. So we only made it in maybe three months before I was like, oh, my goodness gracious, I have made a mistake. And it's not because (laughs) the public school was terrible. I actually really loved my daughter's teacher. I felt like she was just wonderful. I could do a whole podcast on things they don't tell first time kindergarten moms because I felt like, oh, my goodness. Every other mom here must have already had a kid in kindergarten because I just did not know the first thing and felt really out of place in that way. But my daughter's teacher was amazing. But there were subtle things that I realized. First of all, the control over my day went out the window. I had to sit for 45 minutes and drop off and for 45 minutes and pick up. Or I had to put my kid on the bus and I had a number of conflicts about that too, right? Just I've heard some horror stories, as I'm sure you have as well, about the bus. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to drop off my kid. Well, that made me just chained to the schedule of the day, which is unfortunate. And also, I had no idea how rigid, I know this makes me sound like a bad mom, how rigid uh, school structure is. I, we travel. We like to go places. I think there's an immense educational opportunity in going on vacation with your family, and we road trip a lot. And, you know, experiencing new things and going and seeing new new places. And that was eliminated. Actually, in October, we had a trip scheduled to go. My family lives in California. So we went to visit my family in California. We missed a week of school. I went in ahead of time and asked, you know, we're going to miss. What do I do? And do I need to take schoolwork with me? And they, they told me, you, you can't go that long. You can't miss an entire week this early in the year. You'll be in the wrong ratio for attendance to absences or what have you, whatever. It resulted, you guys, in um, by Thanksgiving when my daughter was sick and she missed her the next day of school that she missed was the the week of Thanksgiving after our trip um, because that threw her out of the appropriate ratio as they told me it would. I had the principal and an officer on my front porch checking on my parenting. You guys, I appreciate that that exists, and I know that there's a place for it, and I know that there are kids who are in need of an advocate, but I was livid. (laughs) I was livid. So I'm so grateful for that now, guys, and I know that's probably nothing that you've ever experienced if your kids are in public school, and so you're like, well, that's too bad for Wendy, but, you know, I've never had anything like that happen yet. (laughs) Never had anything like that happen yet. Never had limitations on my lifestyle yet. Never had something I wanted to do that I couldn't do because of my kids' school yet, right? But that was my experience, and I'm grateful for it now because it did, it was a big catalyst for us changing course. And I did let her complete the year in kindergarten, and then we started first grade at home. So the other things I noticed through that year were my complete and utter lack of influence in my child's life. It went from I am the the main influence in my child's life to I don't have any idea what she learned, what she heard, what she was influenced by, what kids she hung out with, what words she heard, what things she saw for a good eight, nine hours of the day. 
I had no idea. And of course, you know, you ask your kids, what did you learn in school today? And the answer is, I don't know. You know, I don't remember. Nothing. So that concerned me. And I started to see this shift in my my child and my parenting shifted as a result of that. And this might sound familiar, although I was very acutely aware of it because I only had one year in public school. So if if you've had your children in public school for a long time, this might be something that you're conditioned to and don't even realize. But my parenting became defensive and not offensive. I was correcting and not guiding. So instead of me telling my daughter how she should behave, I was telling her how she shouldn't behave, right? I started to hear words we don't say in our house. I started to get attitude that I don't see exemplified in my house. Where'd you hear that? Where'd you learn that? And I had to do a lot more correcting or I felt like I was playing from behind. I was at a disadvantage from a parent perspective, right? And here's something I want to say to you guys, and this might resonate more with Christians. So if you're not a believer, you know, you can receive this however you you need to. But what it kind of what I was convicted of as a parent, as a Christian, was although the world will tell me that my number one job as a parent is to make sure that my child is happy, is to make sure that my child gets into a good college, is to make sure that my child is able to be accepted in their career field, in uh, you know, in their various pursuits as an adult, um, my job is to uh, make sure that they have friends and that they're involved in things. And you guys, I just want to challenge you in that. My job as a parent, my first and truly only responsibility as a parent is to disciple my child. Because what good is long division? What good is an understanding of how to spell if they're not making it? To heaven and eternity with with Jesus, right? What good is any of it if they're not on the path, which is narrow, as we know, and few find it. If they're not on the path to heaven, then I am not doing my number one most important and potentially only job as a parent. And I thought about this. Proverbs 22, 6. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it, right? And this is a a verse that gives me (laughs) comfort as a parent. If I do the right things, then God's going to do his part, right? But I feel like, especially in the church, we are clinging to the promise of that verse without doing our part. We're clinging to God's promise, but that verse is two parts train them up in the way they should go. That's our part. That is our part. And we're clinging to the promise of that verse without putting in the sweat equity, right? We're not. And I got to just be honest with you guys. If you are, the majority of your child's time is spent outside of your influence. You're not do, you're not fulfilling the command of that verse. Now, also, If you're not the main influence, that means that they are in the influence of other people, other teachers, other institutions. There is there is different influence that is training you up. And you guys, we are in the midst of an epidemic. And again, speaking to the church here, 70 percent of our children of this generation is leaving the church by the time they're graduating high school. Seventy percent. This is a lost generation 
for Jesus. We are not sending our child out into the battlefield for Christ when 70% of the church is leaving the leaving the church leaving and abandoning their faith as soon as they're out of our influence oh my goodness it breaks my heart right well here's the saddest part only 9% of christian children claim to have even a nominal devotion to their faith after they graduate 4 years of college 9% we are coming out of the gates here with 9% you guys, that is not good enough. That is not good enough. If we want to be, if we want to stand before our Lord and Savior and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, and I do, I do want to hear those words, then I am going to have to do some hard things. I'm going to have to make some different decisions so that my, I'm not in the 70%, my children are not in that 70%, right? Or in that nine, I want them in the 9%, but goodness gracious, I want all their friends in that 9% as well, right? So here's what I hear all the time when I talk to, to moms about homeschooling. They're nervous, their immediate response is, I could never do that. I don't have the patience for that. I don't know how you do that, right? Well, two things about that. One, what you're telling me is you don't yet, yet have the confidence to do it. Not that you can't, because you can, trust me, trust me, you can homeschool. It's that you don't have the confidence. And the second thing I would say to that is, it's not about you. Ooh, that's a hard one. It's not about you. God asks us to sacrifice ourself, right? God asks us to put self on the altar. And let me tell you, that's what homeschooling teaches us to do. Woo, that is for sure. Homeschool, um, oh, I heard it. I just came from a homeschool conference this weekend, which is why I'm extra passionate about this. And I, I heard it put this way, that as you teach your child how to walk in the Lord, the Lord teaches you how to walk in the Lord, right? Walk with the Lord. I, oh my gosh, that just made me feel, that is the truth, friends. That is the truth. I have not learned um, more about Christianity and faith and walking that out than outside of the realm of homeschool. This is where I learn it the most. And I know it's because this is where I teach it. This is where I talk it. This is where I walk it in my homeschool life, right? So I know that there are a lot of people listening that maybe feel like they can't homeschool because they are working full time or, you know, they need two incomes or what have you. And I understand that. And I just want to encourage you that God provides. God provides when you when you decide to step out in faith, it's one of those step out, you know, jump and the net will appear kind of games. But God finds a way to provide. I have had to get really organized. I have had to sacrifice certain things that don't matter. I hardly ever, ever watch television. Uh, laundry is done uh, often, but folded maybe twice a month. That's true. Um, I don't have a dishwasher. So doing dishes happens, you know, simultaneously as math. Sometimes you guys, it gets, um, it gets complicated. It gets interesting. It's not easy, but it is the biggest gift and blessing that I've ever had given to me, you guys. And I'm the mom that said, I don't have the patience for it. I don't think I could do it. I'm not educated as a teacher. You guys, if you have a high school graduation, if you are a high school graduate and you don't feel equipped to 
teach a kindergartner <laughs> if you don't know how to teach long division or read an instruction manual to your child then what good was your education right i want to challenge you how good was your education if you don't feel equipped to train your own kids in the things you've already learned but let me also encourage you that homeschooling is the hard work is absolutely done for you in terms of the teaching element the curriculum that's available and how much curriculum is available is stunning you guys and literally most of the curriculum that I use is open and go, which means I open the book that morning and I read the words. The words that I read are in a different color than the words that are instruction that I don't read out loud. They're instructions to me. I don't need any prep time. I literally open it up that morning and find out what we're learning about as we go. <laughs> that is the case with 98% of the subjects that we teach and talk about. That's how it goes. You guys, they have taken out all the challenging work for you and equipped you with amazing tools to which there are so many you can choose from to make sure that that element is a success, right? But if you want to grow in the fruits of the spirit, if you want to have more gentleness and kindness and patience and joy and love, I'm telling you that will happen along your journey of homeschooling and that will be created in your child because they, I promise you, no one cares more no one cares more about your child's education than you do. No one. Not your teacher that's going to be in your child's life for eight months. Not them. It's you. You are the one that cares most about your child. And guess who else is going to be responsible for the equipping or the lack of equipping that happens in your child's education at, while they're a young adult? It will also be you who will be responsible for the 28-year-old that lives under your roof because they can't get hired or because they're a troublemaker or because they're lazy or because they're complacent or whatever. Because I have a lot of 20-somethings in my life that I'm like, goodness gracious, go get a job, move out, go participate in the world, right? There's There's a lot of that. And I see the parents complaining. I don't know what happened. I don't know why. I don't know why they're like that. I don't know why they don't. I'm like, I know why. I know why. You handed over all your influence for the majority of their life, and now you're you're stuck with an adult that can't provide for themselves, that isn't walking with the Lord, that doesn't have the fruit of the Spirit in their life, right? So I know why. Or I know why. <laughs> I know why maybe that could be. But you guys, just to break it down a little for you, um, at the a homeschool conference this weekend, I was really blessed to um, just learn a little bit more about the fact that there are absolutely commands in the Bible for us as parents to take on that role as our own. That That is God's opinion for us. That is God's um, design for us, right? And so there are a lot of things as Christians that we walk out in our faith because we're commanded to do it and because we want to be in right living with the Lord. This is one of those things, you guys, and to me, it's pretty clear after going through this class this weekend that that's exactly what he wants. So for one, the decision that we, you know, we, when I talk to moms about homeschooling, the first thing they say is, I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to pray and see if I should homeschool. And my first question is, did you pray and see if you should public school? Or are you only praying to see if you should homeschool? Because we tend to do enroll our kids in public school or keep them in public school out of compulsion because it's culturally accepted and, and that's the norm because maybe we went to public school. So that's what we're going to do because we don't know any difference. Maybe we have a negative impression of the homeschool community and, you know, we or maybe we have some uh, stereotypes that we've 
you know, picked up from our own childhood. So instead of looking into that to see if that's correct or true, we just say, oh, that's not for me. And we don't necessarily pray about it. But you guys, are those ever the right reasons? Are those the things that the Bible tells us to make those decisions based off of? Because I'm busy? Are those things that will interfere with God's commands for us with our children? Because he did not give our kids to public school. He did not give our kids to a teacher. He did not, he did not, certainly did not give my kids to a teacher. He gave my kids to me and they're a huge blessing and they're my, mine to steward through this temporary home of ours, right? They're mine to steward and he gave them to me and he gave yours to you, right? So we should be driven. This decision should be driven by theology, by our faith, if we have that, right? So there are um, a couple of spheres of influence that are talked about kind of, or, or spheres of sovereignty, I believe they're called, that are talked about in the Bible, the individual self-government, you know, our, our own self-control, that's one element, the family dynamic, the church roles and dynamic, and then the civil government is also talked about. You guys, right now in our culture, Civil government is in charge of our public school, right? That is who is is um, educating our children is or on the greater scale is the government. And then on a lesser scale, a lot of Christians choose private Christian schools as a alternative. So that would be considered the church governance, right? That's where um, that authority lies. So the civil government, and this was a verse that comes out of Romans, Romans 13, I'm going to read one and then I'm going to skip to four to six. It says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Oh, good news. That's verse one. Now let's jump to four. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. Okay, I'm going to stop there. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. Let me ask, do you think that right now the civil government, which was according to verse one, established and created by God, do you think that the current civil government is God's servant? (laughs) Do you think it is bowing to the authority of God? And do you think it is for our good all the time without exception? No, I don't think it is. Okay, I'm going to go on. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for the rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants. That's questionable. Agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why I'm in verse six. This is also why you pay taxes for that authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. So here in this verse, it says that the point of government is to punish the wrongdoers. That's the point of government. And we should we are compelled or rather commanded to pay our taxes to the government, which is established by God to be God's servants to punish wrongdoers. Anywhere in that verse, does it say anything about also the government is in charge of educating your children? Obviously not. Okay. There is actually no, nothing biblically or scriptural that, that tells us that the government should be the sphere of influence in education of our children. Not ever, not at all. Okay. So, This is where it starts to get wonky when we walk away from the structure that God commanded and hope and pray that it still fits together the way that he promised. (laughs) So when we 
give our kids over to the civil government to be educated. And then we're we're sad or or we're losing 70 percent to the enemy. That's because we're giving the wrong sphere of influence over education. Right. So what is the role of church in education? Well, Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So that doesn't specifically t- refer to teachers in the way that we think of teachers of math and writing. It refers to the teachers of faith, right? Like Sunday school teachers or pastors, which are also teachers, right? And or people that are equipping us to go be the body of Christ and do works and service to God. That doesn't include long division in that verse, right? The family sphere of influence. Again, we come back to Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. That's a direct commandment to us, right? As parents, there are also a number of verses referring kind of funny enough specifically to fathers being the ones that are educating, that are counseling, that are disciplining their child. Um, the word paideia, I believe is how you say it, P-A-I-D-E-I-A, means this is in verse uh, Ephesians 6, 4. It says, essentially, fathers should be biblical counselors to their kids. But this word uh, paideia, <laughs> I don't know how to say it, means anything having to do with school or education. So it is specifically talking, in this case, commanding fathers, but certainly the family, uh, to do the education of children. And Paul very clearly says in his letters that it is meant to be parents. Fathers are commanded to instruct their kids twice as many times as mothers are commanded to instruct their kids, right? And fathers, of course, like I said, are commanded to be the disciplinarians, not the moms interestingly enough. And I think in our culture, we've kind of shifted that a little bit where moms maybe tend to be more of the disciplinarians. So again, this is the structure laid out for us to follow. And when we move away from this, this is when we start to walk away from the promises that are associated with our commandments, right? Colossians 3.17 says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and Father through him. You guys, education is a part of that everything. Educating your children is a big part of that everything, right? Because I would ask you, do you think as you hand over these these children that you're meant to steward in this world, as you hand them over to our civil government or our church even, if you're in a private Christian school, as you hand them over, do you feel confident that the people who are influencing and educating your children for the majority of the day and the majority of the week, that they are doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus, that they are doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, right? I'm going to go ahead and say not so much, actually, right? Because the specifically the public school system has been really infiltrated, and this is an entirely different podcast that I could go into here with Marxism, with things like critical race theory, with things like the gender confusion, right? The, the, we are seeing just such an abandonment of the truth of God and not just an abandonment, but an affronting to the truth of God in our public schools, but also in our culture. It's absolutely everywhere. It's in your kids' friends. 
right? It's all around. And I know that some of the stigma about homeschooling is isolating your children, right? And, and sheltering them. And trust me, I walk that line all the time because I know that they, they're not to be of the world, but they most certainly are to be in the world. And that is a really hard line to walk and a hard thing to navigate. But I feel like when we're handing over so much influence and we're, we're absolutely unaware of what our children are being taught and how they're being taught and what subtleties are coming in, then we are absolutely reversing that and putting them in the world, right? And they're not set apart. They're not able to be set apart because they're 1,000% immersed in it. And you guys, this is what I've noticed um, in my homeschool journey. And to go back to this statistic of 70% of youth leaving the church, the reason that the majority of them cite as the number one reason they're not, they're abandoning their faith, they're leaving the church, is because they say that it's not relevant to their life. Not relevant to their life, okay? I have to tell you, as I homeschool my children, math becomes relevant to faith. History, we can look out through the lens of creation. We start at creation and we learn about history through the lens of here's this, the same exact timeline that Christopher Columbus and Ronald Reagan and Abraham Lincoln find their way onto, so did Moses and Jacob and Joseph, right? We get to look at history as one thing, not Sunday school over here as a different thing that's going to be challenged by the great majority of my time and influence over here is going to tell me that Abe Lincoln and all of these other people, and maybe not even them, we're maybe not even learning about them anymore, right? <laughs> but we're not experiencing this cohesive timeline of relevance to your everyday life because the same reason that we live in the United States of America, the same reason that the wars were fought and won, the same relevance to our life today as all of that has is also Moses and Jacob and Isaac and Joseph, right? Like we're there. It's all one piece. And we get to talk about that. Every subject of the day has those questions of where does this fit into the timeline with the Bible? And I get to say, let's look. I don't know. Look it up. Let's Google it. Let's see. Don't Google anything. I don't Google anything. Duck, duck, go. Don't Google it. <laughs> but we've opened the Bible and we look and see. We look and see like where did this um, scientist fit in or where does this science that I'm learning about that maybe feels in conflict to the creation uh, theory, where does that marry and where do I have to take a right turn to believe in Christianity and take a left turn to believe in humanism? We get to have those conversations and I get to pump the brakes right then and there and dive in a little bit deeper to make sure that my child is not going this direction when really I need to be making sure they're anchoring in over here. Now, how on earth would I know what they're doubting, what they're fearing, what they're questioning, what they're wondering if they're not in my influence all day? Because I'm telling you, either they're not asking those questions at school that pop into their brain, like where do the dinosaurs fit or what? Where's this millions of years? Like, how does that fit into the Bible? Right. I They are asking these questions in their brain and they forget to ask you when they get home or they ask their teacher <laughs> and their teacher gets to be the one to answer that question of where faith needs to or should be relevant in their life. And if we know that 70% of the youth is leaving the church right after high school 
And we know that it's because faith is not relevant. It's because faith isn't in school. Faith isn't in school. What is your school teaching about origins? What is your school teaching about gender? What is your school teaching about sex ed? What is your school teaching about race and loving your neighbor? These are really important things. So you guys, it may not be a fit for you, and it certainly isn't for everyone, but I would encourage you to be encouraged about the idea. I know that more people are thinking about homeschooling now than they ever were before, and that is a blessing of the coronavirus because parents had their kids at home. Now, I know that you are feeling this like, get my child out of my home, get him back in school. They need to get out of my home. And I'm going to, I'm going to push on you on that. I'm going to push on you on that and say, why are you feeling like that? Don't feel like that. Change that dynamic, change that culture, bring yourself to your knees and ask the Lord for that support and that change of heart, that shift of heart posture that I love having my kids home. I love being their educator. I love having that influence. You guys, that's not always true. (laughs) That's not always true for me. I don't always love it, but I always pray that prayer. Lord, shift my heart into that posture. Make me more like you. Make me want what you want. Align my heart with your heart, right? These are the things I get to pray, and these are the, the things I encourage you to pray and consider as you decide. Because I know we're coming to the end of a school year here. So you've got some time to think about what do I want to do next year. And you guys, you can always email me. You can find me at gainingmyperspective.com. And my email, you can contact me through that website. I would love to have a conversation with you about it. If you're scared, if you have questions, if you're wondering what curriculum or what have you, please reach out. I would love to equip you with that because I feel like there is no more important job than to make sure that I steward my little tiny humans as well as I possibly can, as well as I can. Here's the spoiler alert. The Lord not only knows your shortcomings, the Lord not only knows your character flaws, as you would call them potentially, he created you with them. He knows what you're walking through. He's putting the obstacles in front of you. He knows that you're not the most patient person ever. He wants to work on that in you. He knows that you actually don't like math or can't do math. I have to tell you guys, if you know me personally, you know I can't spell to save my life. Can't spell. I'm actually learning how to spell by teaching my child. (laughs) I'm learning spelling rules I had forgotten or never learned. Oh, my goodness. I'm becoming such a better speller. But I tell my child all the time, you know what? I can't spell and I'm a writer. Can't spell. Wrote a book. So don't worry about it too much. Don't get don't get so down on yourself. Don't get depressed. You guys, we our youth is in a crisis of culture. They're more depressed than they've ever been. They're more anxious than they've ever been. They're more lonely than they've ever been. They're more suicidal than they've ever been. You guys take take that influence back. Take that influence back. Bring them back near to you and train them up in the way they should go. Thanks guys. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Dear Father God, I just come before you today and ask for courage to fall over these mama's ears that are here in this podcast, Lord. I just pray for courage and strength and perseverance and 
a sacrifice to self, Lord. I just ask that you would turn any heart to you and allow these mamas to discern your voice and your calling for them because you know best what's right for their family, what's right for their situation, what's right for their children, who you love more than they love. Lord, I ask these things in your son's name. Amen.